0: Fantastic, let's preach. Father, I ask that you would help me preach today, O Lord. Father, through the music, through Nina's communion, O God. Father, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit class, even being this week, O God. Father, I know that you're wanting to say something to us as a church. So I pray, O Lord, help me, Father, deliver this in a way that you can use it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this week, as as my usual custom, I do devotions. And I'm trying to read a lot of the Gospels this year. So I'm really sticking a lot to the Gospels, reading a lot of the Gospels, reading them pretty much all the time. And so I was in Luke and I was in Luke 3, and a great book of Luke. And and I just read this scripture and a word just jumped out at me. And from that word, this sermon has come. So let's read it together. Oh, not together. I'm just gonna read it. 3.15, Luke 3.15. As the people were in expectation... And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. John answered them all, saying, I baptise you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with Holy Spirit and fire. And I this food this morning to speak to you about fire, fire in the Word of God and fire as it might pertain to us. The word fire just jumped out at me. It, it kind of just jumped out at me. Like You read that whole Scripture, there's so many different things you could speak about, but it was just that last word. Jesus is gonna baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, fire has always fascinated me. I right? probably had too much of a fascination with fire. Right? I, I've, just, I've, I've loved fire, I just like watching it and, and I'll just, watch, it, it's fantastic. I've had some bad experiences of my own making because of fire. I remember we had a working bee here and uh, there was a whole lot of cardboard and we'd hired a uh, mini skip or skip to throw it all in and I just had a brilliant idea Right, that we get some petrol, right, and we'd put it in over the cardboard inside the thing because I thought we can get more stuff in the you know, skip if I burn it first, right? And so Bill Moore was was there and he's like Pastor, Mark, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that's a good idea, but he's like, you are the senior pastor, so he did, he wanted to show me respect, right? He shouldn't have, right? But uh, uh, and uh, he's saying no, 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 and so I set it on fire, right? And a and it burns, but then all the sign writing on side of the miniskip just Melts, right, and goes, it's just just a bad circumstance. Shouldn't have happened, right? So that was a a bad thing, and I I feel sorry if you're watching, Bill. Thank you for trying to help me. I should have listened to you, right? Another time when we were kids, right? So I lived in this suburb called Northfield in South Australia. It it was like a suburb that was surrounded. There was on one side, there was the uh, Hillcrest uh, Mental Institution, a big mental institution, right, on the other side was a cemetery, on this side was the infectious diseases hospital of Adelaide, and on this side was the maximum security prison, right, and it was called Yatla, right, Yatla, so every time I see, you know, go down to the Gold Coast and I see Yatla Pie Shop, I go, no, Rumba. right, that's where they make those ones with little sores in it, right, so, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right, so, but, uh, that's such a dad joke, it's just awesome, right, but, uh so, so I sit there and so my brother and I were there and we just thought it would be a good place because it was like a creek there and grass. And we were just going to start a little fire. But with fire, you can't actually control it. And the next thing, this fire has just gone out, but luckily, because it was a prison, they have lots of monitoring that's going on around there. And all of a sudden, these you know, the prison guards come and they've got this truck and they put out the fire. And you know, it was 70s justice. So, uh, what happened is that just we got a bit of a clip around the ear and a kick out the bum and don't do that again. So, uh, you know, like, so fire hasn't always been my friend, but I love watching fire. All right. so enough about fire. Let's have a look what Jesus, he's much better with fire than, we, than I am. right? So let's have a look what Jesus does with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the baptizer, John the Baptist, baptizes with water, but Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the Bible shows us that it's a purifying fire. So have a look at the next verse. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. Our God is an unquenchable fire. The fire is now unquenchable. John's baptism could purify the outside like having a wash with water, but the Jesus Holy Spirit baptism of fire purifies all of us, it purifies the heart. Look at what Proverbs has to say about this. The crucible is for refining silver and the smelter of gold, but the one who purifies hearts by fire is the Lord. So there comes a purification process that's more than just the washing of the outside so that you look good on the outside. It's about something that happens on your inside, something that happens in your heart. See, the baptism of John was a repentance baptism. I'm going to live a different way. I'm walking this way, now I'm gonna live a different way. And I really noticed something fantastic this week as I was looking at this. What it's saying is, I'm not gonna be as I was. I'm now gonna be something different. And so John said things like, bear fruit worthy of repentance. If you have two tunics, give it to someone, give one of them to someone who hasn't got any tunics. Give them your tunic. He said to tax collectors, Don't take more than what you should. He said to soldiers, don't exhort money by threats. See, what I love about this is that John's requirements were all about how we treat one another, not religious observance. In fact, he was quite scathing of the Pharisees who claimed they didn't need the baptism because they had Abraham as their father. See, it was it was it was something that, that needed to actually be shown that there was something of your repentance. I was living this way, I'm now living that way. Religious duty or the myriad of of rules has never impressed God. Just the sacrifice itself has never been a thing that impresses God. Our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus should always be manifested and be shown and be revealed in how we treat other people. It's not about whether you did the right things. It's about did it actually implement and influence your life enough that your life starts to influence other people. John baptized with water, but Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, purifying fire. This fire cleanses the heart. You not only live different, you now are different. See, when I get baptised with what, kind of like the outside, I make sure the outside's all good, but when I've actually had that change of heart, I'm actually different. What used to stir me, what used to drive me, what used to be my passions, that it's not just I'm not doing it because I'm not supposed to anymore, it's not, I'm not doing it because I don't want to. It's not me any longer. Something of the Holy Spirit has come inside me. So it's not just like, I shouldn't do that because I'm not supposed to. It's just, it doesn't drive me. It doesn't attract me. I've become different. There's been a change of heart. You're a different person. You know, we see this on the day of Pentecost. Acts 1 verse 4. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me. And then he uses the very same thing from Luke. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And we see then in uh, Acts 2 verse 1, we see this actually happen. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on them. See, John, Jesus' Holy Spirit baptism of fire uh, happens after he's been resurrected and it purifies everything. Everything. So, disciples up to that point, they'd been baptized in John's baptism of water, John's baptism of repentance, and they tried to do their best to follow Jesus. Their intent was to follow Jesus, but under the fire of persecution, when the disappointment came of his death and resurrection and the confusion that came, it wasn't enough. And they flee in fear and in anxiety, and in confusion. But then the baptism of fire through the coming of the Holy Spirit changes everything. Yeah. Now not only do they just intend to follow Jesus, which we just saw sure they couldn't ultimately fulfill, now they have the power to follow Jesus and whatever He asks them to do. And we can see that pretty much every one of the apostles was martyred in a very horrible, terrible way. When it was just trying to do enough, they were unable to do it. But once they had the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, all of a sudden they had this ability to sit there and say, I'm gonna go through and do what it is that God has asked them to do. Every obstacle is burnt out and dealt with by the fire of God. Now, Hebrews tells us that our God is an all-consuming fire. That means there's nothing left. It's an all-consuming fire is our God. He consumes all of us. So when I first got saved, 41 years ago, I knew nothing about God. There's literally, I, I had no idea about the things of God. I had especially no idea about the things of his church. But I remember very clearly laying on my bed that night and I remember it as clear as a bell as if it was was now, I remember just having this feeling that this was gonna be my life. See, a fire had started. It was a little spark. It wasn't much, but something started. Something happened in my life. I didn't understand it, but I knew that this thing that had happened to me that night was gonna actually take over my life and it was gonna consume me. Jesus being an, sorry, God being an all-consuming fire is well illustrated by Jesus when he's actually trying to give us some insight and a picture so we can kind of like see what the kingdom of God is. So he says, "How do I illustrate?" He's like, "It's, it's really interesting." I, I picture Jesus, and he says, "What will I liken the kingdom of God to?" He knew that the kingdom of God was never going to be something he could just define. Here it is, because he understood that if we just, to, uh, just defined it, then we would just try and live by that. So he's just showing the show. I want to get you a picture. I want to show you a picture. And he uses three parables. So it's not just one, but it's that same sense of God being an all-consuming fire. So the first one was, he said, The kingdom of God was like the smallest of seeds, the mustard seed, that becomes a tree and that others nest in it. So it's very interesting because what it's saying is, it's the smallest seed. You know, on July the 11th in 1982 when I gave my life to Christ, this small little seed, this small little fire just started. Maybe barely even noticeable, right? But then it started burning, it started happening, it started growing. And now other people are able to be sheltered by my faith. What was a nothing faith? What was the smallest seed growing into a tree and now other people are able to be blessed by my faith? That's the kingdom of God. That's what it was always meant to. It was always meant to be starting in you, but finishing with other people being blessed, finishing with other people being sheltered. It was never only just about you. It started with you. It started with that smallest seed of faith that came in your life, but in the end, it takes over your whole life. That's very interesting. See, the mustard seed was a weed. The mustard seed wasn't this big kind of like oak tree. The mustard seed is a weed. And if you go to Israel, you see it everywhere. It's this yellow flower and it's pretty much everywhere. And I love it because Jesus, he's smart. He doesn't waste his words. See, in the Mishnah, which is the verbal traditions of the Jewish faith, it forbade people to grow mustard seed in town or near their house because it just took over. It was like kikuyu grass. you got one seed, bang, next to being your whole lawn is kikuyu grass, right? It's just, it just takes over. It's just put a little bang, it just takes over. That's what's meant to happen. And so what would happen is that in the Old Testament or in the times of the Mishnah, they would go out. They would plant it out here and you have to go out and get it because they didn't want it overtaking all the towns. God is a consuming fire that takes over. Jesus then tells the parable of the pearl of great price of a, of a guy who is, who is a merchant of fine stones and all of these things and he finds one pearl and he goes, this pearl is so amazing. I'm gonna sell everything that I have and I'm gonna go after this pearl. See, this is what happens is that All of a sudden, as the kingdom of God starts to take root, it's what stirs you, it's what drives you, it's what influences you, it's what takes over. It was just this little thing, but it takes over. Then he talks about the man who who found a, a field, and in this field was the treasure. So once again, he sells everything that he has so he can have this field of treasure. He knew that everything that was gone was, was immaterial to what that he had found and that that treasure was going to be able to sustain him for the rest of his life. Our God is a consuming fire and everything else is burnt away. That's what fire does. It consumes. That's what it does. It burns. You know, the fire of God speaks of enthusiasm, excitement, zeal, passion, And as believers, we should have a desire to be on fire for God. Now we see in uh, the, the Word, or through the Word, that God uses fire to speak to His people. You know, the more on fire you get for God, the easier it is to hear His voice. It's in His fire that it makes Him real in your real life daily situations. His fire brings, your fire for him brings, brings him into your circumstance. Think about this, it was in a burning bush on fire where, where, where God tells Moses that he's gonna become a deliverer. That fire gets into Moses' heart and though he initially protests, God's fire melts away all of the fears and his insecurities And he becomes that deliverer. When God instituted the old covenant with the children of Israel on Mount Sinai, he speaks to them out of a fire. And as they navigated that wilderness of 40 years, it was by a cloud by day and a fire by night that actually led them into the places they are meant to go. So understand, the more on fire you are for God, the more easy it is to hear what it is that God says. God used fire to vanquish Israel's enemies, but to also judge the people of God. Leviticus 10 tells us an amazing story about Nadab and Abihu, and they offered a strange fire to God. And really what it was, is they just thought any fire was enough. They just thought, I'm just gonna get this fire, that's enough. But what it is, is that God's saying, It's not just any fire. It's not just any passion. It's not just any desire that I'm just going to move in and bless. It's a desire for the kingdom. It's a desire for God. And so what happens, these guys are judged because it's just, oh, we'll just give whatever. But in the end, God is saying, no, I want you to have a godly fire and work with that. So you can't play around with the things of God without actually hurting yourself. You play around with fire and you end up getting burnt. And getting burnt is horrible. The fire of God isn't to mess with It's to be taken seriously and to be treated with reverence. Yeah. Corinthians tells us that our works on earth for the kingdom are going to be tested by fire. Not our salvation works because you can't work for your salvation. Corinthians is very clear it says that Jesus is the foundation of of our salvation, not our works. Yeah. But it says what we build on that foundation. So Jesus is a foundation. We can't put that foundation. That's Jesus. We, we can't work for that salvation. Yeah. But once that foundation is there, we build something on it. I mean, just a slab yeah. is actually pretty pointless. Yeah. All right, and it says you might make it to heaven. You just kind of got into heaven and that's great. Still better being the last person in heaven than the first person in hell, I reckon, right? But, uh, but, but you know, you wanna have built something on that slab. You wanna have built something on that, uh, on that foundation. And so what happens, it says that what you build for yourself, I'm gonna use the kingdom for myself. I'm gonna get ahead, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna use the principle of the kingdom for myself. What you do for yourself, the Bible says, is wood, hay, and stubble, and a fire comes and is burnt and it's nothing, you're still in heaven. It's not your salvation is gone. That's Jesus. You can't have worked for that. But it says you can build on a foundation gold, silver, and precious stones. And you can do things with a heart for the kingdom and with a heart for others and with a heart to see the call of God outworked in your life. And all of a sudden, what you build is gold, silver, and precious stones. And then when the fire comes, it can't be burned. Yeah. And you have those rewards that come In heaven. Of course, there's the fires of hell. You know, there's a number of things the Bible likens to fire, and all of them give us a picture of how the fire of God should work in our lives. Proverbs 6, verse 27 says that lust can be a fire. And these people who have been burnt by that one. Song of Solomon says 8 verse 6 says love can be a fire. Young men and women, you'll see that someday. <laughs> Numbers 11, one says, anger can be like a fire. I've said amen to that a couple of times. <laughs> Jeremiah 23, verse 29 says, the word of God can be like a fire. And that's what I love as I do my devotions. One of the reasons that I'm, I do my devotions is that the word of God literally is like a fire. I literally, that word fire on Tuesday morning started something in me, right? There's this, it just, I just wanted to know. And I looked at everything about fire and, I'm, and there's a whole lot of things I could have told you today about fire in the Word, but you know, we haven't got time to, you wanna go and have lunch. See, these things can seem to make, these things can make it seem like God's fire is scary. That God's fire is something to flee from. But I want to say it's the complete opposite. See, fire is very interesting. Fire in the fireplace is incredible. You get warm by it, you look at it, and it's just a really nice heat. But fire in the curtains burns your house down. Right, so where is that fire? That's what we've got to actually think about. When Jesus said he was gonna baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, it wasn't in our curtains. It wasn't to destroy us. It wasn't to hurt us. It was fire and Holy Spirit coming into our lives to actually help us, to be with us, that that we would know God. God's fire through the Holy Spirit is never gonna harm you. It's a fire that's gonna help you. It's not a fire that's going to burn you. It's a fire that's going to empower you. It's not a fire that's going to scar you. It's a fire that will captivate your heart. God is an all-consuming fire. And once you get a taste, once a little spark takes hold, you're done. And it's over. God is all that you want. You know, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, known as the weeping prophet, in Jeremiah 20, and I'm going to read it in just a moment, but he's been having to say all these prophecies. Everyone hates him. He just hates it. And so he says, I'm going to not say it anymore. I'm just not going to say anything anymore. But it doesn't quite work out. Let's have a look at his lament. I become a laughingstock all day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord for me, a reproach and derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it in, and I cannot. That's what the fire of God is. You can try and run away from it, but you're on fire. It's, it's burning. Some of us try and run fast enough. We've got this kind of fire in our shoe. We run fast enough thinking it won't get us. But eventually we have to stop running. And there's a fire for the things of God. And there's been some disappointments. There's been some circumstances. There's been some things where, where you thought something's going to happen and yet something else happened. And so you kind of go, I, I want to run from the fire. But allow God's fire to do it's work in your life. I remember being very disappointed in a particular time of my life and I decided, that's it. I'm not gonna do anything in the kingdom. I'm sick of it. I don't wanna be in this kingdom, but I don't wanna go to hell, right? I, I trusted you, God, and you let me down, but I don't wanna go to hell, so I'm just gonna go to church, and but I'm not gonna really get into it. And it used to be horrible. It said, great praise and worship. Everyone's like, worshiping, and I'll be just like, and I remember once turning to someone I knew God was moving, and I just said to him, gee, I picked the wrong night to have a bad attitude. Right? <laughs> I went to a camp, and at this camp, remember I'm trying to run away from God. I'm just, I can't trust you in ministry, God. I've done everything and you let me down. It didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to, and, and that's it. I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna sit and live in my disappointment. I don't want to go to hell, but I don't want to be here either, right? And, and, and that's how it was. And I was in a camp meeting, and I was sitting on a back row ready to leave early because I was going to go game, play a game of cricket, right? And I was going to leave early because and, and I, I, I just thought I'm going to do that. And I felt something happen right there in my spirit. On that first drum beat, bang. Uh, and I, I recognized it. It was this fire. And I'm like, God, I'm not asking you to touch me. You say that you're a gentleman and you won't come upon me if I, I don't want you to come upon me. And I just sit there and literally the song starts. It's praise, not even like nice music. It's the praise. And I just start crying. And I am so angry. On the inside, I am so angry. God, I did not ask for this. I don't want this. I don't want you to move on me, right? And, the, and then I... I even said some swear words in my head because I thought that would make the Holy Spirit leave me alone. But it just stirred. You can't put out that fire. There's something happening in my spirit. Something's happening happening in my spirit. And then someone, in, you know, being nice, came and laid hands and put her hands on my shoulder. I, go, I didn't ask you to pray. Leave me alone. Right? But this fire, I couldn't hold it in any longer. It's this fire within my belly because I knew that God was telling me in that moment that I was gonna be a pastor. I knew that God was calling me into the ministry and I didn't want it. I didn't want that at that. I was just like, God, I can't. And then all of a sudden this fire just came in and it just burned away my fears, burned away my protestations. It burned away my bad attitudes. It burned away all the dross of the rubbish that was going on in my mind, and all of a sudden, it ended with me, in a sense, just kneeling before the Lord, saying, "Here I am, here I am." This purifying fire, and it wasn't long after that—probably just probably a year or so later—that I'm just in ministry. It was amazing. As the great modern day prophet Billy Joel said, you just can't fight the fire. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to run. God is everywhere. I'd encourage parents here today that have got kids away from God. There's nowhere they can run. There's nowhere that they are where God isn't. They can be in the worst place. The Bible says that if they went down to hell, he'd be there, right? Like, it is everywhere. So your kids might be going through some sort of hell right now, something so opposite to what you ever believed or looked for or wanted or desired for them. But Jesus is everywhere. Pray that that spark. Pray that little spark. Let's do that right now. Father, I pray. Father, for those little sparks that we've prayed, that we've seen. Father, in those children or God. Father, I pray right now, oh God. Father, let us start to take root, oh God. Let us start to take root, oh God. Father, your word says a a smoking flax you will not quench, you will not put out. But Father, you blow your Holy Spirit onto that, oh God. That there would be, oh God, Father, Lord, a, a moving of you. A moving of you. Father, we ask that in the name of Jesus, touch those children. I want to encourage you, if you think about it, it's in the dry place in a wilderness that is the easiest to catch fire. Well, there's been tons, 100 mils of rain, pretty hard to start a fire. But when there's been a drought, when it's all dark and, and, and dry, all of a sudden one little spark, someone throws one little cigarette out the window, bang, and there's a massive fire that can't be stopped. I want the band to come. You know, Moses was on the back side of the desert when he encountered the fire of God. The desert is a dry place. The desert's a thirsty place. The desert's a lonely place. Yet this is the place that God chose to reveal himself to Moses through his burning bush of fire. We all go through times of difficulty of we face trials. Maybe you're here this morning so I haven't felt the presence of God in months, years. Maybe you're going through one of the most challenging wilderness experiences you've ever experienced. I've got good news for you today. The drier the wood, the easier to catch fire. The drier the wood, the easier to catch fire. God wants to meet with you this morning. And we're going to finish with that worship song, A Move of God. Great choice. Fantastic. I was so happy when I saw that this morning because God wants to meet with you this morning. We're gonna finish with some worship. And I ask you, fan the flame. Fan the flame. I don't care if it's a little spark or whether you're just burning crazily. Fan the flame. And I wanna say that what God wants to do today is He just not wanna show a bit of paper that kind of flash and, and then it's, God wants to throw some good old redwood, some old, you know, those old root stumps that kind of like burn for ages, burn strong, burn long, burn with great heat. That's what God is wanting you to do. He's not interested in just seeing a flash. Oh, that was nice. No, He wants to see something that burns, something that keeps you warm, something that allows the the coldness of, of heart to just be long gone. You think about a fire needs three things to be fire. It needs oxygen, it needs heat, and it needs fuel. We've got all of that this morning for, the, for, for God to do something. This morning, the Holy Spirit, He's the oxygen. Breathe in that Holy Spirit today. Your presence here this morning is the heat. This message that I've spoken of this morning is the heat. The worship that we've sung is the heat that we're applying so you now bring your fuel the fuel is your desire your seeking your faith we're going to worship God for a moment so why don't you stand a burning flax he will not quench, close your eyes right now